special Words Matter podcast interview. All right, welcome to our very special interview with uh, Dr. Stephen Sims from Oklahoma Baptist University. Uh, Nick talked about this interview and Garrett set this up. He's been really excited um, to kind of take a different um, perspective on some of the worship stuff that we've been talking about in the last couple of podcasts. So I'm actually going to turn it over to Garrett to do a full introduction here. All right. Well, I'm pretty excited about today's uh, interview. Today we've got uh, Dr. Stephen Sims um, here to, to speak with us about worship and music in the church. Um, Dr. Sims received his Bachelor's of Music Education from Oklahoma Baptist University, and he went on to get his Master's in Christian Ministry from, from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, and then on to Texas Tech, where he received his Doctor of Musical Arts. Um, currently, uh, Dr. Sims serves as the Assistant Professor of Music and Worship Leadership at Oklahoma Baptist University, um, and is serving at uh, the Rock Creek Baptist Church as their um, music minister. So welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thank you. It's good to be here. We're excited. Tell us a little bit about yourself, anything um, juicy that we would like to know? Oh, boy. Um, juicy. Well, um, I don't um, often promote myself or talk about my own accomplishments or anything about myself, but I am. I recognize that I am a sinner saved by grace, purely by the grace of God. Um, and I'm reminded of that quite often uh, through my family, um, married to my wonderful and beautiful wife, Carrie, of uh, almost 13 years uh, in June. Um, we have four wonderful kids, um, Easton, who's 11, Molly, who's 7, or 9, excuse me, Molly, if you're listening to this, Cason, uh, who is 7, and Adlin, who is 5. And so we've been blessed with four kids. Um, originally for me, I'm from Blanchard. Um, your pastor, Nick, has a little connection to Blanchard. He was serving there as our youth pastor at First Baptist when my dad was senior pastor there back in the uh, late 90s, around the early 2000s. And uh, so I grew up in the town of Blanchard, Oklahoma, as a pastor's kid my whole life, and uh, really wouldn't trade that for anything. Um, it has its, its downfall sometimes. Being a pastor's kid, you're, you're, um, you feel like you're living in a glass house. Everyone watches you, watches your every move. You know, there's a lot of scrutiny for what you do or don't do. Uh, there's a lot of pressure sometimes, but um, I'm really thankful for my upbringing, for my, my parents um, being in the loving home that we had and uh, being loving Christian parents that they were. Um, came to Saving Faith really when I was in college. I originally thought I was saved when I was probably about 13 years old. I, I walked the aisle in Falls Creek. And I thought that was the time for me. That's that's when the Lord has saved me because that's I could point back to that specific time and say that's when I got saved. Uh, but the really the Lord had really convicted me about this, and and I really didn't feel converted uh, into Christ and feel a, a hatred for my own sin and a desire for the Lord until I was really in college, and I felt a really complete conversion over to the Lord at that time. Um, and so the Lord has always done a work in my heart. I've always known that I've had some musical abilities. Uh, exactly what I would do with those, I didn't really know, especially in high school and in college. And in college, I thought I'd go and be a music teacher in a public school. Um, and I did that for a couple of years. Um, but even in college, I, I, I played for some churches and serving um, and always had felt a strong connection and a strong desire to help lead in church and serve in the churches. 
Uh, one thing I told myself, and I, w- I, would not, I did not want to be a lead pastor at a church. My brother and my dad had gone through that and been through that, have, uh, and I've seen that and, and um, had fruitful ministries. And, and I just thought, please, Lord, don't, don't, please don't call me into pastoral <laughs> ministry in full time. I, just, I don't think I could do that. Um, but um, the Lord has called me to, to lead in the church and to lead in, in the academy as well. And so I feel blessed to have my foot in both worlds and in teaching uh, in the university setting and to teach in the church setting and to be because I believe my my role as a as a music pastor there music is a music minister is to is to teach and so what I'm putting before our congregation teaches something and so I have to be very mindful of that of what am I what am I teaching our congregation through the songs we sing and so I've um, I've become really convicted about that. Um, you know, and other things about me, I do have hobbies outside of music. Uh, they're not that great, but I do. I, it, when I was in high school, I thought I might be an architect, um, but I was never that great with math. I didn't like math, still don't like it. I'll use it to the basic level that I can in music, and that's about it. You have me do something with trig or calculus or something, I check out. Uh, I just don't go that deep into math. Uh, I thought I might be an architect or maybe a city planner, uh, and then I realized how much math is involved, and I said, nope, <laughs> not for me. I'll stick with music. I'll stick with my giftings and my abilities, and that's just what the Lord has continued to direct me. So um, I, I, I like to do you know, woodworking when I can, build things that don't break apart. Um, still working on that. Um, but I like to do yard work, and uh, I like to see the fruit of my labor when it's my own yard. Uh, when I have some kind of a plan, it's just a little bit about me. All right. So you've been at uh, how long have you been at Oklahoma Baptist University? This is my fifth year. Fifth I year. came in the fall of sixteen. Okay. So the big question is, what uh, does a professor of music and worship leadership teach? What What do you What focus do I on? teach? Well, that's a good question. Um, it depends on the semester we're in, but uh, the fall semester, I typically will teach um, Introduction to Music and Worship Ministry. That is a class we teach our freshman uh, worship studies majors. I'll teach that. I usually teach a class called um, Music Theory for the Worship Leader. That is usually for our worship minors. Uh, it's an entry-level theory course that I teach for them. I teach Applied Voice. Um, I will... Um, I also teach another class called Voice Seminar. I'm also our voice area coordinator, so I'm ahead of our voice seminar. I teach a course uh, which is new this semester, actually two new s- courses this semester, um, Leading Worship from Piano, uh, which is we've launched this, this spring. Uh, and I also teach uh, a course called Technology and Worship Ministry, uh, which started last year, and uh, this is my first semester to teach that. Um, and I've taught some other courses um, church music administration. I've taught uh, a, a worship student worship band we used to have, uh, David's Creed. Used to coach them. Um, oh, goodness. I, the other courses are just leaving my mind right now. That's, that's mainly what I teach right now. Yeah, that's a, that's a handful of classes there. It is. It uh, is. And I'm sure you've seen that kind of evolve. You mentioned that technology in worship. That's kind of a whole new avenue for a lot of churches yes especially with the pandemic yes yes a lot different live streaming is very much a big thing that we're starting to get into this second half of the semester um so yeah technology is always changing 
always changing, always updating. I mean, you look at computers and iPads and laptops and microphones and things, they're always updating. So keeping up with that stuff is nearly impossible um, because what I've told our students, what you're looking at right now is going to be much different by the time you graduate. Mm -hmm. There's going to be, it's going to be a whole new ball game, different equipment, different setup. So we're, we're always, we're always going to be evolving in regards to that. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, we've had to to kind of overcome some of those challenges here and learn some of that stuff on the fly and to think that the students that you're teaching right now in class, by the time they graduate, it's probably going to be, like you said, outdated and ready to move on yep. to the next thing. Um, and it's really interesting to see churches as they try to adapt some of that technology and stuff. And so you have this this adaption of technology, but really you've got at the basic level worship, and that kind of doesn't change ever right. as we kind of change what we use. So why would what would you say is probably the most important thing about worship in church? Why is why is worship so important to a church? Well, for one, we're commanded to do it. Uh, not and, and we say worship, and I know a lot of people who listen to this think, oh, you're talking about songs and music. Well, that's a component of our worship, our, corpor- our corporate worship, but that's not everything. Um, we tend to compartmentalize worship into being the singing, the songs. Um, uh, when I hear, you know, people say, you know, I love our service, but I especially love our worship. And the preaching time is great too, but our worship time is really great. We need to not compartmentalize mm-hmm. music and worship just being together and solely exclusive to each other. Uh, there's so many other aspects of our corporate worship. There's, uh, we worship through our giving. We worship through prayer, we worship through our fellowship, we worship through the preaching of the word, through the teaching and, and the reading of the word. Um, and so we need to be reminded that worship encompasses more than just our music. Um, we're always worshiping every day. Mm-hmm. This, and this kind of leads into one of the other questions you guys had. Well, you know, what is worship? That is something that is a lifestyle that we are all doing. Um, A.W. Tozer had once said, uh, authentic worship is altogether possible apart from Christ. Mm. It is possible. We have to ask ourselves, but then who or what are we worshiping? Mm. Even, even on Monday through Saturday, when we're not, we're not together as a corporate church, um, corporate body within the four walls of our church building, uh, who or what are we worshiping throughout the week? It could be, heaven forbid, it could be ourselves. It could be our time. Uh, it could be money or fame. It could be prestige, which basically all boils back down to ourselves. It comes back to pride, worshiping ourselves and putting ourselves above, every, above everything else. Uh, and so God has, has, has commanded us to worship, has commanded us to put him above all things. Uh, even back in the garden, Uh, With Adam and Eve, the original design, the original intent was for God to be the, he was the king. He was to be the king. There was to be nothing else that was to take the adoration or the the focus of Adam and Eve, of mankind. And so God was to be the ultimate authority. He was to be the ultimate source and object of our worship. Um, But as we see through the fall, we, we tainted that because of sin. And then we put our focus upon ourselves and other things aside from God. And then we see through the, you know, through the, the history of Israel, well, we come in through kings. Uh, we want a king. We want to be like these other people. We need to have a king. Well, they're warned, you know, when you ask for a king, <laughs> these things are going to happen. 
And that came to pass. And we see the kingdom divided and, and so on and so on and so forth. Um, we, we tend to, I say we, at least, I don't, I don't want to be so general, but in our society today, I think we, we as Christians in here in North America, we, we tend to, again, we tend to compartmentalize worshiping just song. And we, we have to get away from that paradigm and from that myth that it's all just about the songs that we sing. That's probably one of the most visible and most expressive forms of our worship. But we, we can't forget about the authority of the word because that's where we learn about God. That's, that's where we find out who he is. And that's where we find out what he desires for us. That there is to be no other God beside him. I am the Lord, your God. You are to have no other gods before me. And so we, we read in God's word that he is to be the supreme authority. He is to be the object of our worship. Um, there is to be nothing else. And when we start to put aside the word and its significance, and we start to lose sight of its power, then where, where do we tend to put the significance? Where do we tend to put a lot of that emphasis well, back on us. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we tend to leave it up to our imagination and our thoughts. And, and when we take the word out of that, uh, we invite trouble. Mm. And I, I, I don't want to be next to somebody when we, <laughs> when we have an answer before God. And, uh, well, you know, we say, I just didn't think the word was that important. I don't want to be standing next to you at that point. I, I don't want to have to hear that, mm. what God would have to say about that. Um, and so we're commanded to do that. Uh, even Paul tells us, um, yes, in musical terms, igno- you know, admonish each other with psalms, hymns, and, and spiritual songs. Um, and we saw how the church, the early church, how they, they came together, uh, they shared in fellowship. Uh, there was teaching of the word. There was preaching of the word. Now the apostles would come and, and uh, teach the words to the people, and, and we see how they came together. We, we weren't really giving specifics of how all that came together in what form and what, how their services looked. Um, but we do have an idea of some of the elements that took place. We know they prayed. We know they fellowshiped together. We know they broke bread. We know there was preaching. There was teaching. There was singing of hymns. Um, how that all sounded, I don't know. It was pretty, I'm sure it was pretty ancient and archaic in regards to our standards today. But we know those things happened. So do you think that the focus uh, or the compartmentalization of um, preaching and, and, and singing um, is because, one, it feels like we do corporately when we sing. We, we, we are involved in that. And then in the preaching, we somehow don't feel that we're involved in it. Is that why we compartmentalize it? Or Yeah, probably because part of the reason we don't get involved in it, I think, Sometimes it's easy to check out during the preaching and think, oh, I, I've heard this before. Yeah, these, oh, he's got some great points. Yeah, that was a good message. Um, and then if we're really challenged to ask, what, what did your pastor preach on? And if you had to go back, and if you're having to search for the text and remember, um, yeah, I don't know. That's because we're not staying engaged with the preaching. And I think there's maybe a, a twofold side of that. It's maybe on our part that we're not trying to be engaged 
and staying involved with the preaching of the word and listening actively and receiving that. And maybe part of that is on our pastors as well. We're not believing in the power of preaching of the word of God. Uh, maybe we're relying on something else to, for our people to, to really latch on to. Um, so I think there's two sides to that. We have to be very, very careful. Um, yeah, we have to be engaged. We have to take part in that, which means we, we as, as the congregation, as we are sitting and listening to our pastor preach, we have to be listening actively. We have to be taking that in. So which means we have to put, which is very hard to do, put other distractions aside. There, as I was driving here, there's so many things I, I wanted to look at, you know, looking at the countryside. It's been a while since I've driven Highway 9 between Shawnee and Seminole. So many things that could have taken my mind and distracted me from driving, but I had to stay focused. But there's so many things I wanted to look at. And I had to think, okay, what have I got to do the rest of the day? What did I get done this morning? Okay, I've got to put my coffee cup here. I've got to stay driving. Okay, I've got this many minutes to get here. So many things going on in my mind. And I think that happens, too, when we come in for corporate worship. We still have so many things going on in our mind. We're so distracted. And it's hard to put aside those distractions and actively stay engaged and listen to our pastor preach and engage with that text and actively listen to the Lord as he's probably prodding our hearts. Uh, there's, there's so many distractions, and putting that aside is difficult. I have to admit that's difficult for me to do sometimes. And if, I, if we were all to be honest and say, you know, is it hard for us to put distractions aside? If we said, no, no, I can listen. I think we're lying to ourselves. Um, but we have to stay actively engaged, and I think – it's, it's another um, imperative for our pastors to really believe in the power of the word that they're preaching. And they need, they need to come with, to the pulpit with authority and not think of it just as another, um, you know, therapy talk. This is the word of God we're talking about. This is important. This is God's very word. It's breathed out to us that we need to take this very seriously. So... You talked about distractions and being able to to take that all seriousness, and I think here at First Baptist Church Seminole, we've tried to adapt that in the last couple of years as making the word central to what we're doing. How easy for it is preferences to slip into that, oh. and and you get to that. I, I we remove the distractions, but there's something about my preferences that take hold. Like why does why is that such a big issue for us? Do you think in worship? <sighs> preferences. We all have our preferences. If we were to really take a poll on all of our preferences and what we like and what we don't like and what we prefer to have, whether it's regards to the music, the instrumentation, the type of songs we sing, or the elements that we use, or the way we carry out those elements, the prayers or the scripture reading, if we have it on the screen or not, or we always our own Bibles, we all have the way we like things done. And we have to come to a point and realize we're really not going to be able to cover all those preferences. If we tried to do that, we would run ourselves ragged. Even with the person who could organize and administrate things to the best of their ability, who is just great at running things like that, you're going to run someone ragged. If we really try to make someone cover all of our preferences – we have to come to a point and realize that we have to do some certain things in a way that allows and encourages everyone to take part. Uh, and it may be sometimes, it may be in a way that I not prefer. It may not be in a way that really, 
um, speaks to me. It may not be a way that um, makes me feel good. And sometimes I have to be reminded, I may not always feel good. Mm. And, and especially when it comes to the word, it may convict my heart. It may prick my heart and remind me, Steve, you have some work to do. We've got some work to do in your heart. And I have to be reminded when, <laughs> even in scripture reading, I'm not only delivering, the, when, I, when I'm reading scripture to our folks um, before our pastor Danny comes up, I'm not reading just to them. I'm also reminding myself. And so I may, I might like things done. I might I like the scripture reading done this way. But I also have to remember, at least with scripture reading, I have to think of the whole congregation. Mm. We have people from all different backgrounds, from all different age groups. Um, and I have to think of the bigger whole. I have to take my mind off of me and what I might like. And I have to remember, we have a congregation to have to take care of. We have this flock to shepherd. Um, and sometimes my preference, a lot of times, my preferences have to be put on the back burner. They've got to be put aside. And I've got to think of the greater whole of our people. Um, whether it's planning songs or doing something else, it has to be done in a way that encourages our entire congregation as much as possible to be actively engaged. Mm -hmm. And so if I think of just my age group, if I think, oh, people my, my age group are like this, this is going to speak well to them, then I'm, I'm totally disregarding everybody else. And so I can't think of um, doing something in a particular way that's only going to speak to my, my age group and, and always think of them because I have a lot of other people to think of. I have people who are much older than me, people my parents' age. I have people who are younger than me. We have to think of doing things in a way that's going to encourage all believers from all ages to actively and be engaged and to understand what's going on. Um, so preferences, as, um, as touchy as that can be, we all have our preferences. Mm. You know, We all have those. There's got to be a point we have to, and we as you know, lay people in the church, we have to remember, I've got to set aside my preferences sometimes for the greater whole. Mm, I can't, I can't always focus on me. That's really good. That's good. So you, you teach um, worship music at, at an academic level, but you also um, are the music minister at, at the church my dad's pastor at. Uh -huh. And um, so you do this on a um, on the ground level as well. So ha what is your aim or your goal um, for a Sunday morning worship service, what? How do you, um, how do you organize it? How do you plan it? Um, wh what does that look like? Um, what's your, what's your end goal um, from a Sunday morning service? Okay, good question. Uh, right now, as we have our services planned out, um, and like you've like you've known, your dad has talked to you about this. We've had these conversations before. We've kind of changed our format a little bit. And I, th I think our folks have responded to it quite well. It took some a few weeks to get used to, um, but after we had some opportunity to explain to them why we were making these changes, I think our folks understood it, and they, I think they appreciated it, and they responded to it really well. We typically had done, you know, about three or four songs at the beginning of the service. We'd have a scripture reading, um, and then we'd have some songs, and then we'd have the word. We'd have the preaching. Um, We'd focus on the word at the point. Then we'd have a song, a response, and then we would uh, close out, and that's it. 
Uh, and we had done that for at least, I'd say, about three years. I've been going on almost four. Um, so about three years or so, we've been following that format. And then um, Danny and I and, and Wes, and we, we talked and we thought, let's, let's talk about maybe changing this up. Uh, and so typically what we do now, we'll have, you know, we'll have our announcements and, and keep our folks informed. And then we, we go to a time and I try to allow us to stay focused on the word. And I'll open this up with a psalm reading. Uh, not always a psalm. Uh, it may be some, a reading from one of the epistles. Um, that may be, I try to find something that may be parallel to what your dad's going to be preaching on. Uh, we go into expositional preaching, which I always prefer. And so sometimes I may try to find something that um, is a parallel to what he's going to be talking about, or maybe just another direction um, that I want to to use to start our opening song. Uh, so most of the time I'll use a psalm. Uh, sometimes we'll go to Revelation. Sometimes we'll go to Isaiah. Sometimes we'll go to another epistle, um, and we'll take a reading from there. And um, we'll take that reading, and I either do the reading myself. Sometimes we do a responsive reading because I like for our congregation to be actively involved in the reading themselves. Or sometimes I'll have someone else read because I know sometimes they can get tired of my voice speaking all the time. And um, so I'll try to use utilize some different people that way. And so we'll have an opening reading of scripture and we'll follow that with a song of praise as a response as leading out from that song. Um, and so we'll have that song and then that takes us into um, the preaching of the word. And your dad will come and, and preach to us. Um, and then in response to the word, in response to the word that has been spoken and preached to us, we respond by singing out of praise to that. Um, and we usually do three to four songs after that. Um, we, for the past, oh, probably a couple of years, we've been trying to introduce a new song every month. I know you all have your, um, your anthem, monthly anthem that you, yeah. you use, and we just call our, our song of the month. I think we stole that from you. Did you? Okay. <laughs> I think so. You're welcome. Uh, but so <laughs> we do that, and we try to incorporate a new song every month. And um, I realize we, we did that every week. Our, our folks would probably feel jolted. Uh, they need some familiarity with our songs. We need them to feel familiar and feel comfortable with some of the songs, but we, we generally introduce a new one each month. And I don't always, don't always put that song in the same spot every week. Sometimes I'll change it up so they don't always expect it. And I don't want to throw them off guard, but I don't want to become so familiar where it's expected and we go into this autopilot type mode. Um, but we'll introduce a new song each month. Um, and so that, that way they're, they're learning new songs, gently but gradually. Um, and so we'll, we'll do about three or four songs after the sermon. Um, and then we'll come to a time where we, uh, we kind of pause and, um, your dad will come up and have a few words to speak and we'll, um, have a time of, I guess, invitation and time to respond to the word. If people want to come forward, they don't have to, uh, but we'll do a final closing song and then we'll have, uh, some type of a spoken benediction, uh, usually your dad will come up and, and lead us out and, and dismiss us from there. And so in, in regards to songs, I always try to make sure, I mean, there's many different ways we can plan songs. Um, I don't, I, one thing I don't do is try to keep all songs in the same key. It's just, that's not the primary goal for me. I, I worry about keys later. Yes, I do 
make sure we keep it in a single key that everybody can sing in <laughs> relatively well. Because it's too high or too low for me, I know it's going to be too high or too low for our folks. And that's just a, a recipe for disaster. So I stay away from doing that first. Um, I first make sure that our songs are um, have sound doctrine. Because like I said before, my ministry and, and, uh, in music to our, our, to our congregation, music ministry, it's a teaching ministry. So I have to remember that what I'm putting in front of our congregation is teaching them something. So what is it that I'm teaching them? I have to make sure that we are enhancing biblical truth, that we are enhancing, uh, that we are proclaiming the gospel through our songs. It may not be through every single song, but I always make sure we have some connection to the gospel in one of our songs, if not all of them. Um, and it, it, we can easily step tiptoe around the gospel and say we're going to be gospel-centered, have gospel-centered songs. Well, we need to be reminded what the gospel is. We keep saying gospel-centered, gospel-centered, but we need to remind ourselves what it is. That before a holy God, we stand as sinful creatures because of the fall. And we are basically in need of a savior because of our sin. And so we do not, I believe we do not just say, God, I need you because I just need you. We, we need to realize why we need God, why we need Christ, our Savior, why we need him. We need him because we are fallen creatures. We have a sinful nature. And on our own, our righteousness is, is but filthy rags. We cannot stand before God on our own behalf and stand rightly before him. We need someone to go in before us. And that person is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we need Christ to stand in our place and to be our Savior, to, to stand, be before, stand before the Lord on behalf of us, because we cannot do that ourselves. Our sinful selves, we are tainted with sin, uh, but Christ is the only one who can atone for our sin. And so we have to be reminded that we are in need of Christ to be able to stand before God and be called righteous and to be to be forgiven. And it's only through Christ and Christ alone that we can stand before God. Um, and so we remind ourselves of that through our songs. And if we and if we ever dare have a what I call a holy yawn to the gospel and think, oh yeah, that's nice. Uh, Lord have mercy on us. We what a pity if we allow ourselves to think Oh, the gospel, that's a nice little thing. Isn't that nice? I know people who need that. Well, I do too, but I'm one of those. I'm always in need of Christ. I can never go without Christ. I cannot do that. I'm always needing the Savior. Uh, we need to remind ourselves of the gospel each and every day. Um, and so I have to remind myself when I'm planning I use songs that, are, that have sound doctrine. It doesn't mean they always have to quote scripture in every word and every verse. But we have to have songs that, that contain sound doctrine, healthy teaching from the Bible, that, uh, that emphasize biblical doctrine. Um, we need to be able to point ourselves, point our minds to the gospel, point ourselves to Christ and our need for Christ. We need to exalt the Savior. We need to exalt the Lord, Lord God. Um, and we need to um, have those songs that are, that are singable, 
There are certain songs, uh, one of my favorite hymns is And Can It Be. It's, it's I would say high. it's, do what? That can be kind of high. It can be high, okay. yes. I, I would say that that's my, my dad's favorite hymn. I didn't know it is. I, 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 I enjoy singing that hymn because of the, the great doctrine it teaches that um, I have no other, no other hope but through Christ. And it's only in him that I can be, that I can be found righteous before God. That song is, musically, it's beautiful, but it does get to be a vocal workout. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, because it can go high and it can go low. And so as I've kind of dealt with that song before and looked at it, it can be, it can be hard to sing. Uh, it's pretty, but it can be quite hard to sing. Um, and there are newer songs that are, can be very hard to sing. I've, I won't go into all of those, but um, I have to remind myself Steve, when you're planning these songs, pick out the songs that I know our congregation can sing. It, it, just because I can sing it doesn't mean that they can sing it. But if it's, if it's a range that's too high or too low for me, more than likely it's too high or too low for them. Because yep. okay? they're, they're, they're looking to me for direction. They're looking to me for, for leadership. And so if they see that I can't sing it very well, how should I expect them to sing it with full confidence? You know, not that they're trying to mimic me, but they're looking to me for leadership. Um, so, sound doctrine, point us to the gospel, exalt the Lord Christ, um, show us our need for him. Um, they have to be singable. They have to be put in a key that's comfortable for everyone. Um, and it's something that they can remember. Mm. It's, I mean, we remember songs quite well. Uh and when we put scripture into song and try to memorize songs, try to memorize scripture through songs, music stays in our mind, melodies stay in our mind a long, long time. I still remember songs I was taught when I was a little kid. I memorized the books of the Bible through VBS, through songs. And that's how I remember the order of the song, the order of the, the books. I still go through that melody in my head because I was taught that back in third or fourth grade. Um, it's Nancy Miller. Shout out to her. She's with the Lord now today, but... Um, um, that's how I learned how to memorize the, the books of the New Testament, put it to song. So you said you guys are, uh, you've changed the order of service, so you're, you're response heavy. Um, and so your, your songs of response, and I, don't, I didn't have these questions ahead of time, but I think you ought to be able to answer them. Do you, do you focus on the songs of response propping up the, the word that was preached? Um, or do you try to, to choose songs that go along with the theme of the, the message, or are they songs of, of praise in response? Um, does that, that good question. question. Yes, okay. I know exactly what you mean. Okay. I try to um, make sure we use songs that go along with the theme and help um, go with the word, the, the, the preached word. Sometimes that's difficult to do. Yeah. Um, when you get into text and, you know, your dad will tell me we're going through this passage. And uh, sometimes I'll have to text him and say, okay, this might be a tough passage for me to, to try to um, enhance upon in our songs. Can you give me some type of direction to where you'd like us to go? Um, because I, if I have any kind of doubt, I go to him and ask him, what are some themes or some maybe some sub-themes you'd like for me to try to make sure we hit on? And then he'll give me some sort of direction and we stay with that. Um, sometimes they are songs of praise. There are other types of songs that we can use. Songs of confession. Uh, songs of lament. Uh, we can use songs of praise. 
Um, praise is just one element of worship. Um, we have to remind ourselves, and I, can, I know I always say that word, remind ourselves, um, but I think that's important. We have to remember, praise is not the only element of worship. It's not. There, there is confession. We, we have to remind ourselves that we have sin, and we, that's sin that needs to be dealt with. Um, we can't harbor that. We can't hold on to it. We can't play around with it and think that it's just something imaginary that's going to go away when we leave the building. Um, it has to be dealt with. Um, so sometimes there are songs that remind us of our sin in the atoning work of Christ through his, his blood that was shed for us. Um, sometimes it may be reminding ourselves that Christ will never leave us. Um, he will hold me fast. Uh, a, a song by the Gettys I've really, really come to appreciate. Uh, and to remind ourselves, to give ourselves assurance that those of us who are in Christ, who are found in him, we will not be forgotten. We will not be left alone. We're not in a vacuum. We're not set off in a planet and just letting it whirl on its own. Um, we are loved. I think we also need to be reminded of that, that we are loved by God. Um, he loves us personally. And the love that we cannot really begin to fathom, the love of God, we cannot begin to fathom that. Uh, we have to be reminded that um, there is security in Christ. So, when well, yeah, when I do pick out songs, um, I do try to, to go with songs that are going to um, be parallel with his theme. Um, yeah, and sometimes that's, that's it's difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, like I said, if I ever have a doubt, I'll, I'll uh, contact your dad and say, can you maybe give me a little more direction on, on this, what you think you'd where you think you might be going and some things you'd like me to hit on, or if there's a particular song you do want me to use, let me know and we'll put that in. And I'll make sure that that, that does stay in our, our service. Because I, I want our people to be able to see the connection and to be able to have a connection between the songs and the preached word. And, and uh, if we don't have any kind of connection, um, then I think I've fallen short of my job of doing that. And I have to admit, there have been times I think, ugh, I didn't see a connection there at all. I thought I had a connection there, and it just it just didn't work. And I can be hard on myself as being a musician. And then, you know, later in the week, some person will come up to me, and I totally don't expect them to, and to say, uh, I really, really appreciated the way you put that song in there, or I really appreciated the way you laid out those songs. Um, my heart just really was overjoyed. I really appreciated the way you did that. And that's just a thing of God. And I have to leave that to him. Um, just because I plan it out doesn't mean it's going to go the way I think, and it may be totally different. Um, so when I, I we do that, um, what the Lord does with that is is His work and not mine. So when you look at um, adding new songs, like you said, you, you mentioned new songs, or even if if the theme of of what the sermon is about, what are some where are some areas that you go to to look for new music? I mean, there is there's a lot of music out there. I mean, you could turn on even a Christian radio station and hear new songs like, oh, I would love to sing that on a Sunday morning. But when you kind of go through that that checklist of um, does it point people back to God? Is it – where do you go to? What's your kind of go-to for some of that stuff? Okay. So this is where I get transparent, uh-huh. like really transparent. Where do I go to? I know we all have our sources of, of songs that we might pull from. Um. And so I have a variety of sources. Some, I'll be honest, some I may use more frequently than others and, and sources I go to. Um, 
I will use our our Baptist hymnal. It's not the only source that I use because it's not the only source of songs that we we sing from. Uh, it is a good source, but it's not the only source. Um, I may use sometimes other hymnals. I know that may seem frantic. It may cause, what, other hymnals? <laughs> sometimes I do. Um, I, I do pull for my Baptist hymnals sometimes. You know, this this might be be striking, but and it's it's helpful, and it's it's part of the reason I'm you know teaching university to to teach my students, and I learned some things from them, and I've told them in the past few weeks, I learned a lot from them as well. They they bring me on to new songs that I sometimes I don't even think about and never even heard. Um, so this is a shout out to Raylan and Cameron, my two students in my leading worship from piano class, but. I've learned new songs from even from them uh, that I didn't realize were out there until I heard them play some of these songs. And I thought, okay, yeah, I like this. Um, but sometimes my students will, without even knowing it, they'll introduce me to songs and I'll look at those and I'm really intrigued by, by what those songs have and the doctrine that's in there and what they're, what they're teaching and how singable they are. Um, yeah, sometimes I'll hear songs on the radio I don't try to allow the radio to be my guide um, because on the radio, in my opinion, I mean, there's a lot that's put out there, but there's a lot that's not being played. There's so much strong music and, and doctrinally rich songs that are out there that are not being broadcasted. And I wonder why. I mean, I have my reasons why right. they're probably not being put out there. Um, but, I mean, sometimes I do hear things on the radio and I'll think, I'll ask my wife, did you, have you heard this song? She said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard this quite a bit. It's, you find this here. Huh. I didn't know that. Um, she will lead me on to some things. My pastor will remind me of some songs. He'll tell me, hey, I've heard this here. You can find this here. Would you, would you take a listen to this sometime? Um, so he'll meet, lead me to, to some, some music. I go to, um, sometimes we use, well, a lot of times we use Lifeway Worship. We we will download their their shoot music for our musicians and things. So I'll glance through there sometimes to see what what they have and what new things they have. Doesn't mean that if it's just because it's new, I go to that. Um, I tend to be very um, critical and very um, um, skeptical, but very studious of songs that are put out there because I want to see what what it is, what it's saying, what it's teaching, and I want to listen to it. Okay, is that something I could sing myself? Is that something I could sing to somebody else? If I can, okay, I might give it a look. Um, so I go to Lifeway. Sometimes I might pull from Song Select. I don't use Song Select that heavily. But I only go there if I know if, if I already have a, a song in mind. If Lifeway might not have an arrangement that I want, I'll look for it on Song Select. may have a more simplified version. I'll go there. Uh, some other musicians and groups that I'll uh, glean from. Um, I like what City of Light is doing. Mm. Um, City of Light, I like what Matt Boswell is putting out and Matt Papa. Uh, the Gettys, I've, I've probably been guilty of maybe relying on them a little too heavy. I'll just admit. And uh, I don't, but, think, don't think you're the only one in the room. <laughs> <laughs> But one one thing I've really appreciated about them and Stuart Town and in the collaboration yep. they've done together, and with others, they 
I think the Lord is doing a marvelous work through them in creating songs for the church. Now, yes, their songs have been marketed and have, you know, they started out with, with CDs and with some other people and some of these ladies that they've used to kind of help cover their songs. Um, but I've always been intrigued by the fact that they are, they're writing modern hymns for the church to use. Now, a lot of their songs tend to have the same Irish flair a little bit. If you if you listen to it with a really uh, with a keen ear, if you really try to study them, you can pick out some of the things that they do have a kind of Irish flair to them, and you can always say, "Oh, that's that's probably a Getty's piece." Yes, but uh, and I say that that I like them. Not all their songs are what I'd say the most singable. Uh, I like their song uh, "Christ Has Risen," and I've been trying to go back through that one, and it's been a little bit of a challenge for me to to get the feel for that song. Um, one of their songs that I've always enjoyed, one of their, the older songs, uh, In Christ Alone, Power of the Cross, and Speak, O Lord. Um, doctrinally rich songs that teach, just those songs themselves teach a great deal. Um, I, I've always, you know, if I, if I think of a new song and I think we need to introduce do something, and I'll be honest here, be very transparent, um, I usually go look what the Gettys have. Uh, when I, w- I remember when I was at Southern Seminary uh, back in the early 2000s, they came, I think it was right after they got married, Keith and Kristen, they, they made an appearance in Louisville. It's kind of an unannounced little concert they gave. Um, but they were there on our campus, Southern Seminary, in our chapel. And not highly announced, not highly publicized or broadcasted, but it was going to be just an evening of worship. Um, and so they just kind of promoted it the day of. And so I caught wind of it, and I thought, oh, I've heard, I've heard of them. And, um, and I was just blown away by just how rich, uh, theologically and doctrinally rich these songs were and how, how singable these original songs were. In Christ Alone, Power of the Cross, Across the Lands, you know, Speak, O Lord. And these songs could be used in any setting. They could be stripped down to just piano. You could use these with a full band set. You could use these with an orchestra, whatever. And they're very adaptable. And that was one thing that really drew me to what they were doing. And I really bought into their philosophy and the, the, um, the stance they were trying to take and really trying to preserve just general hymnody. Um, and so I was really appreciative of them. And I thought, okay, here's some people who get it, who, who want to see rich, doctrinally rich, theologically rich songs still be written, that a church can, can sing. Uh, they don't do this for the money. They don't do this for fame. Uh, they don't do this to sell albums, to get out on Song Select and, and be the top seller and to be the top artist. I think that's probably the, at the very bottom of their list uh, to be, be, you know, be top artist and anything like that. I mean, you, you go to their website, they're writing for the church, mm-hmm. for songs to be used for the church. They want to see the church flourish, and and um, they want to teach through their songs. I think that's why they write the songs that they do, to teach. Um, and if you look at um, some of their blogs and you look at their, their family hymn things they have, I, I think they still do that on Tuesday nights. Yeah. They want their songs to teach, and they're teaching their daughters. Um, there's so much, I mean, we could taking Christ alone and just divide it and analyze it and teach that. And this concludes part one of our very special interview with Dr. Stephen Sims from Oklahoma Baptist University. 
hope you'll join us for part two in two weeks when we release that. There is so much more left to discuss, and I hope you'll come back and hear part two. Thank you for listening.